ACAST. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Missing the Point. I am Hollywood Ray. Sean Buchanan was my guy. Okay, Sizzle. Man, this is not going to be one of our more fun shows. Yeah, um, I wish we were here under better circumstances. Yeah, Glad to be sure. with you. I'm, yeah, you know, we, yeah, no, no, same, same here, man. We've had a lot of great Celtics content over, you know, the last several months. And, you know, once again, you know, you as an audience have shown us a lot of love. And, you know, we pray that you show us love on this one as well. Uh, it is with a heavy heart that we speak about the passing of Bill Russell. Uh, he just passed away uh, the other day. He, at the age of 88, you know, he, he was on the Celtics for 13 years and, you know, one, you know, 11 time champ, two time champ in, in, in college. So just, you know, what was, what was your initial thoughts on, uh, you know, the passing, you know, DK and just like, you know, what were your, you know, do you remember when you first heard about, you know, Bill Russell growing up as a kid? Yeah. I mean, I, I think my, probably my first thought was, uh, back to the most recent time I had seen him out in public, which was, uh, during that obviously great Celtics playoff run last season and he didn't look great. You know, he looked old. Uh, he wasn't moving great. I, you know, as a tall man myself, not Bill Russell tall, but as a tall man myself, there is more shit to, uh, break, you know, there's more surface area to break. And he was having a tough time getting out of his chair and, you know, it bums you out because like to sort of segue that into your next question, what, what do you remember from watching him as a kid? Now, obviously he starts his career professionally in 56. So I didn't get the chance to watch him play live or, or, you know, during his era, but when you become a Celtics fan and you're sort of indoctrinated into the fan base, there's sort of a few key lessons you have to learn that there will be a quiz on later when you when you first sort of start out. And I think probably lesson one is probably Burden McHale and like that whole run. And like that's the first one on one class you get put through. And then uh, once you pass your A levels there, you uh, you sort of move on to learning about the older the older greats back in the day. Now, when I was a kid, I used to love the movie Conan the Destroyer uh, that Will Distill Chamberlain is in, and he's awesome in it, and it's a fucking great movie, and him and Arnold Schwarzenegger fight. It's super fun. So Will was actually a guy I knew about first before being introduced to Bill, and that was sort of my context uh, when being introduced to Bill. And the way it was sort of always explained to me, and it's kind of, I mean, there's some nuance to it now, but the way it was sort of always explained to me was that it was like those two, those were the two guys. They were the two giants of the sport, both literally and figuratively. Uh, but maybe Bill was a bit more of a competitor. 
And, you know, he had maybe some things to say about what happened to uh, between him and Wilt in, in that finals that they played against each other. Wilt was hurt. He wanted to come back in. Did he want to come back in? There was, you know, whatever. I wasn't there. I can't speak to it. What I do know is that you then sort of learn and you can start to draw a, a line between the Celtics culture, the kind of basketball that we play and the kind of winning basketball that we play. And you can draw a direct line to Bill Russell. His compliment, comp- complicated relationship, I'm sure we'll go on to talk about with the city aside. I think having the winningest guy in basically any sport be part of your franchise was always cool as fuck. The fact that every time he got in an interview, uh, he was always cool as fuck. The fact that like the best Uncle Drew commercial was him being like, these kids have to learn that this game is about buckets. You know, I still think about that line. You know what I mean? Because it is. <laughs> right. And, uh, and like the fact that you know, not everybody gets like the coolest guy ever to be their guy, uh, to be their their old head, like the guy that kind of got got their franchise to where to where it is, and and is such a participant in the culture. It was still such a participant in the culture right up until he died. Not everybody gets that. So, just like my overall view of him, I think is kind of the grandmaster of our franchise. You know, the 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 reigning elder of Celtics basketball, and uh, one of the first and best to ever do it. Yeah. No. I mean. Well, well said, I think. So for me, obviously, I, you know, growing up in, in the inner city, like, you know, we grew up in the nineties and obviously the Celtics weren't a good team at that time. So that's, that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's a nice way to put it. Right. So they weren't that good of a team. So, you know, yeah, I mean, you knew about the AJ Griffiths of the world or the Hanson Walkers, obviously, and obviously Paris comes along, but you know, yeah, you're right. The first indoctrination, like you hear about Bird and Mikhail Paris, like that, that is the thing. Then, you know, you may hear about Jojo White, Dave Cowens, John Havlicek's, Charlie Scott's, whatever, and so on and so forth. Then, obviously, then it gets back to the 50s and 60s. So you hear about Coozie and Heitzen and Sam Jones, Casey Jones, Bill Sharman, Sap Sanders. And, you know, then it's like, oh, this larger-than-life guy, Bill Russell, comes up from University of San Francisco and, excuse me, really turns around their franchise, right? He turns, turns around. And, you know, my mom is a child of the 60s. And, you know, she would tell me, like, you know, how, you know, it, I mean, it wasn't, games weren't really being sold out at that time, you know, for, for, for people to come see the Celtics, which is wild to me, because they have to have a franchise. Like, could you imagine if we were, if we were living when they won eight straight? <laughs> you're there every night, you're in the best seats in the house. <laughs> we have, we, you know, one, we would have been, I mean, people may think we're unbearable now. We really would have been unbearable. <laughs> and we, and we were around with them when they not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, but eight in a row. Like, listen, I would have been the most inseparable person out here, like by far. I didn't have been talking crazy shit in the cafeteria, crazy shit, like all, all that. Like, it, it just it just would have been crazy. But yeah, I just remember saying, like, you know, it wasn't always, it wasn't always a fun time for him here. And I, as I got older, we found out more stuff. We'll get into that you know, later on, but yeah, it, it was, it was, it was something where, you know, it was like, yeah, you were able to hear about how great he was as a player. And then later on found out about how cool he was even outside of uh, the, you know, the Boston garden at, at, at the time. So but it's like, you know, we're not going to see a straight again. Right. Like we're not going to see that now. It's like, you know, there's th- this kind of, uh, you know, and this is a little bit of an aside, so I'll keep it short, but this this debate's been coming up in, in the basketball world, which I know you're, you know, just as plugged into as I am mm-hmm. about like, oh, you know, JJ Reddick talks shit about Bob Cousy, whatever. And he's like, he was playing right. against, you know, Fireman, whatever. Like, okay. The thing is, is like, 
my issue with that kind of conversation and Usually it's done, honestly, in basketball terms to, to sort of try to uh, disregard the Celtics, amount of the Celtics titles that we have. And what I always try and say to people is like, you know, you'd have to take that across everything that happened in the 50s and the 60s, because if Bill Russell wasn't the winningest basketball player of all time, he would have like set high jump records. You know, <laughs> it's he, he wanted to go to the Olympics for two sports, you know, and and this is a guy that. I don't know, like maybe they're putting different shit in the Wheaties now and like maybe like with nutritionists and 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 personal trainers and strength and conditioning coaches and 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 an advanced tactical knowledge of the game. Yeah, it's different. It's 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 hard to compare. But where would we be without them? You know, these we're standing on the shoulders of these giants, you know, when we're watching this sport. And these are people that had to take a game in its infancy and develop it and and make make it important to be seven feet tall and be able to still run and jump make you know a place for that person you know (laughs) like a place for a seven foot tall man that can run and jump and 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 do cool stuff because football ain't it you know and uh, they they paved the way for this the feats of athleticism and the kinds of things that we see players do today and it's like if you're Joel Embiid like you should be thanking Bill Russell every time you cash that 25 million check you know it's it's it just the reason why we're here is because of the people that came before us. And like, I'm sure that like once they're playing with those NFL robots from the Fox broadcasts and that those are the guys playing all the sports, we're not going to want to hear that our era wasn't shit because our guys bled actual blood, you know? So, right, right. I just exactly. think it's a silly argument. It's just so silly. It's just it's never necessary. It's ne- it's it's disrespectful, quite frankly. And like, these are also people, like you said, that were like, fucking fighting civil rights battles at the same time as like becoming all-time great basketball champions what are you guys doing nowadays you know what are, what are the basketball players of today doing for the right. most part fucking going back to their manhattan brownstone and like tweeting so like whatever you know it's all relative right and, and i said yeah exactly that, that's fool that that's a term that made it that, that was our thing, thing that all, <laughs> that it's all relative thing but no that's the thing though it's like yo he was he, he was getting it was he wasn't getting crazy buckets like obviously he was getting 18, 19 a game, but it's like bro, they almost gave buckets and Chuck Taylors and Chuck right. Taylors. <laughs> it was giving people twenty and not keep thirty. It's like the last shoe I would wear to a basketball game. Yes, Chuck Taylors. <laughs> like so, if Daniel, you lose him, like you're not in his later years, not being able to get up. It's like that's why when yeah, you're right? when you're, you're running around <laughs> on Chuck Taylors, it would if you block his shots. Yeah. You know, there's a picture of him, like, his, his leg is, like, way up in the air like this. And I'm like, wow, like, he's really, and not even the high top shot. They're winning, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was, like, fucking lead in the water when he was doing that, you know? <laughs> I don't know what they were yeah, doing but, back then. Yeah, I, I, listen, I mean, smoking in the locker room, you know, you name it. I mean, it, it was it was, just, yeah. it was a lot, lot of stuff. I mean, they were, guys were working second jobs. Imagine that. Yeah. Guys were working second jobs. Like, I know Tommy right. Heisen was a insurance agent when he wasn't playing like imagine right. imagine that yeah you're, you're you're well you're not selling out arenas but you're going from arena to arena you know it wasn't as many teams but you're going you're playing double headers on certain games which you know they would never do now but you're playing you're playing double headers and say all right what's the off season gonna go cut some grass and uh yeah <laughs> and i'm, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm and gonna also, go to my age back because like that's wild to me. right so and some of these stories you know it's like especially in the in the Bill Russell era, like onward, you know, and the mm-hmm. stuff that he like faced. I mean, what what's happening when you're flying into these towns in, in like across 
America with a seven foot tall black guy, you know, and like 11 other athletic looking dudes. And you're like, there's, there's five people freaking the fuck out. You know, they were probably looking at them like there was the circus was in town at this point, you know? And it's well, like, that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this, but this is something that they had to deal with whilst trying to be great at a sport that is not easy. You know, I mean, it's just, you got to apply right. all this criteria to it. Right. And that, so I'm, I'm yeah. So let's, let's, let's get into that because there's no easy way to transition into that. <laughs> but that, you know, here, here we are, right? We're trying, yeah. we're, trust me, we're trying to make this as light as possible. But, you know, there is some, up that we gotta let's have a soul speaking of that right so there was i think it was in 1961 it was a preseason game they're traveling to lexington kentucky which is not known to be fond of people who look like yours truly uh, especially at that time and you uh, know, for the folks you know, at home raised black for yeah, the folks yeah. at home <laughs> yeah because so it's not, not good radio if you, if, <laughs> yeah, if, you're, if you're not if you're not watching on youtube <laughs> yeah yes you know guys look like, look, look like us so you know so i just think that you know they get there and so Sach Sanders and I think either Sam Jones and Casey Jones were denied food at a local restaurant, you know, because it's because of the color of their skin. So, you know, they come back to the hotel. Obviously, they're fired up. They're pissed. Probably really hurt, obviously, because, you know, yeah. that that's that's a very unsettling experience. And, you know, so obviously Bill Russell, Bill Russell catch one of the bit, you know, they and they, they choose to boycott the game. And, you know, it ties into what happened a couple of years ago, right? So obviously yeah, that happened in Kenosha, uh, you know, Wisconsin, well, obviously that Jacob Blake shooting, which we did an episode on uh, early on. And, you know, the players only chose to do, you know, one thing, it was like one game they chose to boycott yeah. and not and not play that particular night. But it's like, yo, like they were on the front lines yeah. of this, right? So, you know, just kind of just speak to that. So it's like, you know, just the difference between, it's like not knowing if you're going to make it home <laughs> yeah, or... You know, because like I said, you're going back to you're going back to to a mansion. Like these dudes were walking the streets, not knowing if they were going to make it home at time. So that that was just wild to me. You know, I mean, you know, I, I'm on record. I think we all are of being sort of like in agreement with what the players in the bubble did during that time. I think that they were in a literal bubble, though, like a literal bubble. Right. right <laughs> you know right, what right. I mean? It's exactly like, well, right. you, you kids these days are in a bubble. It's like. I'm not saying I, you know, I, I would be very reticent to take away from the fact that like, it's not a big deal to not go out and play like in a multi at this point, multi-billion dollar industry, year industry that like, you you know, and you're saying we're not going out, we're shutting it down. And I don't know, kind of credit to the league also, I think at that point by being like, cool, you know, whatever we get it. I mean, this is a predominantly African-American league and like, this is how you guys are feeling about it. So cool. So not to take away from that, but yeah, I mean, I think you put it perfectly when you said they're like literally on the front lines. Like if they boycott the game and like how quickly does a mob get formed in in uh, fucking 1950s, 1960s middle America? You know what it's I mean? Super quick. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you go out there and play for us. This is what blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, one guy gets pissed off because he's not going to get paid that night for like working security at the fucking, you know, arena where they're supposed to play. And he go, get, goes and gets some of his friends. And all of a sudden you're on the fucking wrong end of a mob, you know, uh, informed by ignorance and uh, fueled by hate. And I think that like, I think that you're well aware of that if you're Bill Russell and mm-hmm. and the Celtics in that in that era. And I think that you I think it takes some mighty fucking stones to do something like that. And I think that people recognize that, you know, I think that right up until the players in 2020 boycotting a game because of of police brutality in general and and the conversation that was going on at the time. 
but at the same time, like other people participating in in civil rights throughout the 60s and 70s and and beyond are going like, well, they're right there on the fucking front lines. Like, you know, that the fucking guy flying their plane out of here might be a fucking card carrying racist. They don't know. So it's 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 inspirational, you know, like that word's tossed around a lot, but it is it's to use it less in the sense of like, I'm inspired by this amazing story and more in the sense of like, I draw from experiences of people that are in the same boat as me that are making decisions that are scarier maybe than the circumstances I'm in. So I might as well do something also. And I think that like, that is what it is to be a leader in movements like that. And I think it's so cool that he was the Celtic and doing shit like that. You know what I mean? Because look, I mean, at the end of the day, like the Boston has a really complicated relationship with race because of the the busing stuff, because of, you know, experiences players have even today have come to the garden, which, you know, I wish that wasn't the case. Obviously experiences that Bill Russell had of just being like straight hated, even though he was a Celtic, which is difficult for me to wrap my head around now. But like, I, I mean, I guess it, it makes sense if it's 1958. Right, I you're mean, a Boston no, fan, and you're giving the yeah. Russell shit. Like, who are you? <laughs> yeah, no, because I mean, his. I think his daughter came out with a statement recently. But yeah. they, when they want to, when they, I guess, when someone's on the road, and they obviously they will stay home. They want to come out with yeah, the family. Like, that's, so that's tough. tires, tires getting slashed. You know, I think the story about someone sitting in his bed, which that, yeah. that to me, that's, I mean, that's to me, that's equivalent to getting spit on, like shit, yeah, like that. Like, I'm glad to go to the truck, and you know, you know that that, that to me it. Yeah. It's just, it's unbelievable. So, and I'm sure there's many other stuff that's on the surface that we haven't even heard about. Right. And it's crazy because obviously it wasn't just him, but obviously with him being the star of the team yeah, and being outspoken, which definitely was yeah. not a thing. Like I said, obviously once again, the Joel Embiid's and LeBron James, the, the Charles Barkley's like a lot of those guys that have been able to be outspoken about race and just whatever they want to talk about in this, in this world and in this, in this media, on this media outlet, that Draymond Graves of the world, like, they need to be thanking guys like Bill Russell because he really Definitely. was a pioneer for people that was like, look, this is not right. I'm going to speak on it. And if y'all got a problem with it, I'm going to keep talking about it until, you know, we see a change. But, you know, I want to, because we, we, we've talked, we've talked, we've danced around the part that obviously, you know, it was it was good to see a guy that was on the on the front lines, being in the South uniform, being in the city of Boston, that has been racially charged at, at times. But I want to speak to the relationship between him and Red, right? Because obviously, uh, Red drafts the first, you know, black guy in NBA history. His name is Chuck Cooper. You know, he, he played here for a while in Boston. Same, I think same year as, uh, as Bob Cousy. They came at the same time. But obviously, his most famous pick ever will always be, you know, Bill Russell. So, uh, well, I'll out of Larry Bird. So, I just want to speak about how important or how, do you, how important do you think it was that Red Albert was his coach at that time because I, I don't I don't know if anyone else could have been in, in that position. So you know, what what are your thoughts about you know Red yeah. Albert as his coach and his, his kind of his confidence at that time? Well, I think the I mean it's it's kind of a, a weird thing to say, but like stay with me on this. Mm-hmm. I think the the thing that Red did in that scenario that was unorthodox wasn't getting a black player. The thing that he did that was unorthodox was deciding that a big man was going to be his defensive focal point on his team. And he saw Russell's toughness and rebounding and his ability to, uh, to, to kind of have a giant basketball IQ in the position that he's in. And he sort of changed the center position with him because if you'll remember, I mean, you don't have to remember because you weren't there, but if you know, if you've been reincarnated by <laughs> back from somebody that watched basketball in 1953, right. the, the point forwards and, and, and the centers, they, those were guys that scored. You know, that's that's the way it sort of was back then. And I think it was like an unorthodox move for Red to put Bill in that position. And I think that uh, 
to find a guy as talented as Bill Russell to sort of move him up in the world as, you know, one of the greats of the game and do it in that unorthodox way. And also let him be him a little bit, you know, like let him express himself. I think he did that with all the players. I think that was, I think that was, that's great. You know, I, I mean, look, I don't, I didn't know Red Auerbach personally. He was a guy in the 1950s. I would be very unsurprised if around a steak dinner with like five other white dudes, he didn't say some shit in his time. You know, I mean, I have no fucking clue, but like, yeah. this is just sort of how it works a lot of the times when you get, yeah. there's nothing more dangerous than five white guys alone in a room. You know, it's like not a room you want to fucking be in because they're either like deciding what country to invade or they're making racist jokes. But, but the, <laughs> my, my, my point, my point is the, <laughs> the, the the I think the kind of coach that Red was I think you know I think he's instrumental in Bill becoming uh, who he is from a basketball sense. Yeah, no, I mean basketball sense, but I mean just but even let yeah let him let him play their style, and obviously yes, you you don't get to where they got to without really his defensive prowess, right? Obviously, Kuzi mm-hmm. was pushing the ball. He deeds up will. He deeds up Yeah, exactly. You know. And, and that's another thing too, before we get back into to what him and his dynamic with him and Wright, it's like for those who say, well, you know, man, you know, those guys that play nothing, I know you kind of touched on it, but I'm like, yo, you had Bob Pettit, mm-hmm. Dolph Shays, Will Chamberlain, Elgin Baylor, Hal Greer, you know, those, those are just a few that come to mind, you know, they're like, there's a guy that comes to mind and I'm like, yo, these dudes to get buckets in their days. So to say that they played against, you know, it was only plumbers, only salesmen, it's like, yo, Dudes was like Elgin Baylor is specifically and Tommy Hanks spoke about it too. Mm-hmm. This dude was getting 30 a night and was the original MJ. Right. Like, was once again, and dang, listen, I want you to understand getting 30, and I, I'm, I was like, I'm keep saying this getting 30 in Chuck Taylor's is no easy feat. <laughs> you, you go out there, once again, you're in Cali, so I know yeah. they wear a lot of Chuck Taylor's out there, but I'm like, <laughs> go, 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 go to. Go to Santa Monica Pier. Go to go yeah. do a run and shoot out there. Go put mm-hmm. on some Sean Taylor and no, try hard. to get thirty out there. Like, dude, dude, that's I'll do you one better. I'll I'll do you one better. I'll do you one better. Put on a pair of Chuck Taylors and go to a loop by yourself and time how yeah. long it takes you to get thirty points. You know, yeah, like maybe if you have a strategy, maybe you have a strategy where you're just hitting layup after layup, yeah, and trying to catch her on rebounds. <laughs> like, but well, that's not fun. You want to take the ball yeah. out and shoot it a couple times, and then it bounces off the rim and it goes away, and you got to run after it. Tell me how yeah. long it takes you to get 30 points. It's not easy. Yeah. Un- in any un- era. Un- unreal. Unreal, man. So it's but just it's like, yeah, I, I got to, I got, I got to, I'm going to keep belaboring that part. Cause like no, I said, it, true. that was really, it's, true. Those are it's, it's, it's unreal. <laughs> and I, I want people to, yeah, it's very uncomfortable. I want people to understand like, it's funny because my wife said my mom, child of 16, she's like, you know, my mom got a bunch of Converse, but I'm like, I get it. She grew up on Converse, but I'm like, yo, like. How do y'all walk around and these? Like, there's nothing. Like, I just, I know. I, I'm sorry. Like, it's, it's out of control. Like paper. Yeah, it's it's it's, uh-huh. it's a joke. It's a joke. But no. So, anyways, back back to you know to you know Bill and Red's dynamic. So, you know, obviously, you know, drafts him. You know, he lets him kind of be him. But then, you know, I feel like their relationship was a lot about creating history, and that's what Red mm-hmm. was about, right? So, once again, drafting Chuck Cooper. You know, did you get? You know, they were getting all the best black players and all the white players. Like, right? He was like, I'm, I'm yeah, Red just win. wanted to win. Yeah, yeah we just wanted to win. And that, I'm like, that, yeah. that's that's what I, I loved about him most. But then in 1966, the coaching thing. At the winning issue, yeah, the, the coaching change, right? So, you know, Bill says, you know what? I'm stepping down as as head coach. And apparently and, he, know, tells, he, tell, he tell Red tells Bill first. He tells him, like, oh, first okay. that he's, okay. he's going to retire. Like, according to legend, 
and right. says like, I want you to be the coach. And Bill says, no. Right? right. And he goes, okay, well then let's make a list of like five people we think would be a good coach. And if there's any matches, we'll go to that guy. And they couldn't find any matches. And he was like, Bill was like, I don't know, man, I've seen the toll it takes on you, like being a coach. But like the fact that Red's like talking him into it, you know, he's talking him into it. Like, look, you and I have had conversations about how like representation in the coaching position, specifically in, a, in the NFL, isn't where it should be. It's really easy to set examples of like the kind of leash that like the Steve Nashes of the world get compared to like, you know, who's the example you always use? Uh, not Doc, but you, you always say. I'm talking about Marvin Lewis. Marvin no. Lewis Marvin. Oh, um, what's his name? The comment, the guy who commentates with Van Gundy now. You always say he got a fucking. Oh, Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson. Yeah, Mark yeah. Jackson always get. You always. That's right. You always said Mark Jackson gets a fucking. You know, di- didn't get enough of a shot right. in Golden State, which I think is true. I think if you, you know, if you put Steve Nash in there in the same circumstances, I wonder if he gets an extra two years to try to build, try to build that same thing. Oh, well, however, sure. however, it's a hell of a lot farther than it would have been if Bill Russell doesn't become the the player coach and and if Red doesn't hand him those keys and. If he doesn't then do a really good job at it, you know what I mean? Like the problem with becoming the first woman, anything, the first black, anything, the, you know, you have to be t- twice as good, three times as good as your, right. as your counterparts, because if you fuck it up, everybody goes, look, they can't do it. Look, they can't do it. You need a white guy for that role. You know what I mean? Right. They, they, right. they, it's, it's obviously ludicrous, but it's what people do, what hey, right. idiots do. So to then, you know, you gotta, you gotta go be Bill Russell at it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is. Thank God, <laughs> right? And, and 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 that's and but that's when I think even the civil rights thing could seem to take off, right? Because obviously, you know, we, he he coaches there for three years. They win another two as him right. being a player coach, you mm-hmm. know. So they win, you know, they win another two as him being a player coach. You know, probably the most famous one was winning in nineteen sixty nine against the Lakers. You know, Don Nelson yeah, that shot that bounces that bounce, yeah, that bounce right? yeah. sixty the year before, yeah, yeah. Bull got his first one. So yeah, so. And, you know, Don Nelson hits that game when the shot it bounces up yeah, but, and it hits down. But Bill's, you know? Bill's still getting fucking 20 rebounds a game at this point. Crazy. <laughs> like, Crazy. And at, 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 th- at 35 years old, you know, we just yeah. see our offering new damage in, in this year's playoff. But yeah. Yeah, but that's 2022 35. Right. You know, 1967 <laughs> 35, as you've been around people smoking fucking red arrow bullet cigarettes your whole goddamn life and you're drinking. You're drinking whiskey to help you sleep. <laughs> it's a different era, man. I'm telling you. And, wait, and and you're dealing and here, once again, this is serious. I don't want to laugh about this, but and you're dealing with bullshit and yeah, the community. Yeah, all, all, sure. Actually, not even just in your community. Everywhere you go, which is why he ended up moving up to Seattle and you know yeah. landed on his life. You yeah. know, because it was just like, yo, like Boston was not kind to me in that regard. Actually, I, I, I actually I had no idea. Obviously, like so we, we never. We weren't around, obviously, but I had but no how do you, idea. But how do, you, how do you feel about, like, just to do a quick aside on, like, the city of Boston and that, mm-hmm. being kind of cast in that role. I mean, you're, you live in the city. You know, you've right. grown up in this area your whole life. You're black. Is, right. is, is there a, like, is there a sort of, like, well, I know how to move through Boston sort of thing? Or is that, but like, because to me, it's like, well, we're also a city of, like, more colleges per capita than anywhere else in the world. So there's, like... Right young like people being educated right who like aren't acting that way we're also a city in the northeast we're like you know we're we're on the on one hand a cultural hub and on the other hand we have this thing which isn't outwardly untrue you know i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's a thing that isn't fueled by fucking events you know and you can say oh it's just a few idiots or whatever but the expression isn't a few bad apples you know, our make the rest of the bunch fine. It's a few bad apples spoils the barrel. So oh, everything, right, exactly, everyone's yeah. fucked if we're like letting this happen. So what's your experience been like 
in that sense. Like, do you think Boston is that city or do you think, what, so, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I do think that there's moments when that does bring, uh, we had, so we've seen it with Adam Jones, who played for Baltimore. I know Barry Bonds has spoken on it. I know obviously LeBron, you know, LeBron Ross spoke on it, you know, and most recently. And yeah, so I do think that stuff is valid. As someone who worked at TD Garden or who works at TD Garden, I should say, I have seen moments of close. I've been on the floor when they have gone at athletes. And yeah, it's not always tasteful. It's not. It's not. I'm not going to say it. I say that it is. You know, I'm someone who is a metro prodding, meaning I'm I'm a kid that was in, that lived in the city, but went to school in, in the suburbs. I went to Belmont. Shout out, shout out, shout out to Marauder Nation. And I, there was times growing up when I felt like, I said, well, damn, I felt like I received more backlash in actually the inner city that I did even out there. But what I didn't realize was since people were shut there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was, but it, it was, it was hidden racism, right? So whether it be a comment about my hair or comment about, you know, the clothes I had on or once again, you would sit there and talk to me about 50 Second Richard Die Trying just to put in contact. Shut about two other two of them. We all love that album. Sure. But I'm like, yeah, once again, but I'm like, we were talking about Get Richard Die Trying or, you know, talking about, you know, when the college dropout came out. But it's just like, oh, you want to hang out afterwards and go in? It's like, oh, no, why well, can't, you know, we can't hang out type thing. But mm -hmm. you want to speak about the culture. So that that was kind of, kind of crazy. In mm -hmm. the same breath, you know, shout out to the few that did. So I think about my guy, Andrew Duvall. Think about my guy, Eric B., Eric Burson. Burning. What's up, baby? You made, it, you made it on the show, dog. But I think about two kids like that that always opened their, opened their house to me. Their parents were so kind to me. But yeah, yeah I, I do I do think that. And you, you said almost you rather said have already. somebody say it to your face in the fucking city. Yes, than exactly. Like, yeah, because yeah, and, and that, that's that's the biggest thing I think about this up north in general as opposed to like, I, and I lived, in, I lived in Florida. It is out there. In the open, they don't fuck with you. You're gonna know. And although that's scary to to encounter, I rather that all day because I know exactly where we stand. Don't come around. Put your arm around. Put the, the, the proverbial arm around me. Don't be my friend. Don't try to embrace me. Don't do that. And then behind the scenes, you know, you're calling me every racial slur under the sun. Right. So that that to me is where I think a lot of that happens up here. I think for him because he lived in a different time, obviously. They were saying that shit to his face. They were saying it to his wife. They were saying it to his kids. And obviously, it's, and I think I'm pretty sure that he had many moments where it's like, yo, if you want to come at me, you know, you know, remember that day, uh, once again, not, not make light of this, but it's like, I'm a man, I'm for like, I, I, I'm pretty sure he was like, yo, if you want to come at me, then come at me. Right. Right. Don't, don't, don't try my family. Don't try those that, that are, that are my loved ones. So, but yeah, but in the same breath too, I do think, yeah, I felt like I didn't know how to move around, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful that I haven't experienced too much. Once again, that's in my face. It wasn't as much. It might have been a lot of stuff behind the scenes, mm -hmm. but I haven't experienced a lot of it, a lot of racism in my face. Thankfully, a lot of it's probably been hidden stuff that I either knew about or, or didn't know about. But or you look back um, later but, and you go like, oh fuck. Yeah, yeah. Like certain, certain <laughs> things you remember, you're like okay, like yeah, like especially, yeah. especially with the hair. Because once I got braids, it was like it was a whole different thing. Like I had the mm -hmm. show, it was cool, but it was like oh, like. Is this shit real hair or is this You're that? You're like, oh, thanks. Like, All of a sudden, uh, I fucking fit it's the like, profile. It's like, oh, like, okay, yeah. like, great. Like, you know, yeah. so so stuff like that gets gets a little little crazy, but... But you're saying um, essentially, like, you know, yeah, I mean, you can't necessarily deny that, like, the city has its issues with it, but right. don't pretend like that doesn't mean that, like, it, it, it doesn't exist insidiously somewhere else also, you know? I right, mean, it, it, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that, too, because yeah. I feel like, and and once again, I, and if this becomes a clip, so be it, whatever, but I'm just, this is, and I feel like I'm speaking for both of us on this, 
even though you're on the West Coast, Tupac, can't believe you don't feel jealous. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's just like, don't make Boston out to be the most versus city in America. Yeah. And I want that all wax. I'm, I'm, I'm that, that with this going on now with the, with his passing and then obviously what LeBron said a few weeks ago, it's kind of gay people. This is not the most racist, racist city in America. And I, I'm, we're not going to say that like that. Like, and once again, yes. And it, it's not about, oh, well, are you just saying that one's better than, no, I'm not saying about no one's better than the other. I'm just saying, do not make it seem like this is the worst city of all time. You not. heard it here first, folks. Boston, you know not, not the most racist city in America. Yeah, just the worst at hiding just, it. Just, <laughs> just right. the worst but, at hiding it. You know what I'm saying? Like, everywhere like, is like you know, this. I'm, I'm like, you, you got folks out here that got hung. I'm so, you know, once again, we want to get real. People that got yeah. hung, people that got, they got, burnt, they got burnt on fire. Like, yeah. for like real, real shit. So I'm just like, I mean, what, I, are we, I, what are we talking you know, about? It's like the same thing of like, you know, the conversation that came up especially during 2020 but like it's always been happening of like right. like the the sort of insidious racism in like the education system like i remember learning about the tulsa race massacre which like tulsa i think you're like in the fucking lead for this by the way for like having yeah. A yeah. Conversation yeah. Like, but yeah i remember yeah. learning about that because i'm watching like watchmen on fucking hbo and i'm like wait a mm-hmm. second i'm like oh they're it's like a sci-fi thing they're creating like an alternate universe like an asshole and then we look it up Right. And it's like, oh, shit, this shit really happened. Like, then I mean, immediately, like, I think a lot of people, you get mad that, like, you weren't taught about it. Like, wh- like, why was this not in any of the units or whatever? Right. And then you start to realize, like, oh, yeah, like, there is this sort of ins- the, the sort of insidious nature of this, which might actually be more important to talk about than, like, what a drunk guy yells at a basketball game. You know what I mean? It's right. like still not OK. I mean, obviously. And like, I would the thing is, I wouldn't want this to be misconstrued as like, you know, Russell Westbrook should have to go to work and endure this bullshit like obviously not like of course not but to your point about casting boston specifically in this light and mm-hmm. especially in regards to the guy we're talking about here yeah i mean he had to fight this fight did he have to fight the fight because he was in boston yeah a little did he have to fight the fight because it was 1958 yeah a little you know yeah, did he have exactly to fight right. the fight because exactly. it wouldn't have mattered if it was if it wasn't boston and it wasn't 1958 he would have still had to fucking fight the fight so Right. It just, it's sort of a thing that exists. And like, I think to try and sum it up or like put it in a fucking package, like a city or, or a group of people or anything is, it's sort of detrimental to the conversation in, in general. Cause it's like, well, it's, yeah, sure. Okay. Like, sorry about yeah, those assholes I, I at the basketball game. You didn't, you didn't hear stories, you didn't hear stories about stuff happening with Pierce. Right. Yeah. Stuff about Walker. Yeah. I never heard people like Kenny Anderson say something or Adrian Griffith or, you know, I, I never say heard something to Kevin Garnett. You know, say something to Kevin yeah, Garnett. Let's, I, see, what, let's I, see what okay. happens. Perfect example, right? So a perfect example, and, and, and I, I want to say this too, I do think there is some to try to differentiate, right? I feel like there are some, I see that I was there, I was on the floor, he walked by me, it, it was awesome. I do feel like there is some people that are white that say, well, there's some black people that I can't stand, but you're not one of them. I know <laughs> that's just it. That's just that, no, like, no, like, all just like, all, and all, all just aside, that's something that's been said to me. It's been said to me up. that, well, that and it, oh, we all fucked up. It's like oh, it's like uh, well, you don't act like those, you know, you know, you, you, yeah, you're yeah, this, you're yeah. that. It's like oh, so oh, I'm, I'm one of the good ones. Well, gotcha. what they're really okay. what they're really yeah. saying is, you know, you it, what they're really saying the the kind of the problem with what they're saying is like you're not one of the of the people that I've completely stereotyped in my head and I know nothing about. Like I decided on this group, but now that I know about you as a person, you're fine. And that didn't like they didn't put the the gap together. Like maybe. 
maybe this group learn more. Right. Head it doesn't exactly. really exist. Right. You know? right. <laughs> like, right. Right. Yeah. That's right. crazy. And, though. And, 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 and yeah, again, <laughs> and, 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 and insane. But no, I want, want to go back to, to, to Bill. I know I said we went off, but I said that, that, that part was necessary to bring up. And I hope that someone got, uh, some education in, in, in that, because that's what we're here to do as well. He, he takes over as coach. Then, then, you know, the Vietnam war begins. Right. And, you know, there's a famous boxer. I'm bad. Yeah. I'm pretty. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the baddest man on the planet. You know, that mom and Ali at the, well, we was already, yeah, he, he was, yeah, he'd already trans, uh, his name was already, had already got changed yeah. to catch the plate to, to Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were calling him draft dodger, man. You know, just every, once again, every name under the sun. Yeah. And, you know, Bill Russell, <clears throat> uh, Jim Brown, uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, I believe. And, yeah, by that point. Oh, Feel like I'm missing it, but yeah, but those are the guys that were up there, you know, supporting him. So, and once again, he's coach of the Boston Celtics at this moment. Mm-hmm. They're still winning. They're still winning championships at this moment. Mm-hmm. Still, still dealing with that. But did all the did all he could to help out a friend in that moment because you know there's pictures of of Muhammad Ali coming up to what well, we now in Boston know as uh, shout, shout out to slaves. Y'all need to, y'all need to change our prices and your wings. But shout out to slaves. Bill Russell used a little slaves back in the day, but yeah. now slaves is a nice little restaurant down in in, in the South End. Uh, district of Boston. So yeah, I, I just thought it was awesome that he still had all that stuff going on and still made time to look out for other black athletes and just other black people in general that were going through what he was going through and chose once again, you, you can, can, you can always sit back. Every black person or something wasn't talking. Sash Sanders wasn't always talking. Casey Jones wasn't always talking. Sam Jones was always talking. You know, it just, it's like, it, it takes a special person to lead and everyone cannot be on the front line. Some people do stuff yeah. behind the season. Maybe that's what those guys did. But I'm I'm thankful that he chose to say, you know what? I'm using this platform as one of the biggest athletes of this era, maybe of all time. Eventually, maybe he didn't know that then, but you know that's what he ended up growing into. But I mean, let's be real. He definitely got more love as he got older. Same thing with Muhammad Ali. They did not yeah, love the way right? Young. Of course, once they got yeah. older, it was like, oh, you're this beloved figure. You're this and that. It's like, mm, no, I, I, mm. <laughs> the video says otherwise. The stand outside my house say otherwise. The, yeah. the slash tires say otherwise. You know what I'm yeah. saying? The, 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 the gas uh, lit uh, bottles that you're throwing, into the, throwing it through the windows say otherwise. The 12 yeah. gauge shotgun that you have outside my, my daughter's room says otherwise. So mm-hmm. it's like, let, let's, let's not get, let's, let's not get it twisted and forget where, you know, w- what it was. And, you know, but like I said, they, but they both became beloved figures as they, you know, got, got older, but. You know, and I say it's unfortunate, but I say it, it, it is what it is. But, you know, that that's that's just how it was. And, you know, some things have changed, but we still have a long way to go. Yeah, I feel like the I feel like the the kind of juxtaposition, especially between a guy like Bill Russell and a guy like Muhammad Ali is funny because, you know, as as uh, kind of ostentatious as, as Bill Russell could be on the court. I think he was always sort of a soft-spoken individual. I think he he led a lot with his actions. I think that he, especially as he got older, the kind of elder statesman role that he took on. I remember so clearly, like, he basically, like, fixed the Shaq and Kobe feud, right? Like, it's like, it's like wading in as, like, the ambassador to Israel and, like, fixing their fight with the Palestinians at that point in basketball history, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, he wasn't in a time where so many things could could be so uh and i you know i say this as someone looking back on a time i wasn't there for but i I can only sort of look through the lens of of the 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 historical facts as presented but in a time where clearly 
every, anything could be inflammatory if you were a black person, anything out of your mouth, especially so, someone that was like in a prominent role, you know, because that, that's another element of racism too, right? Where it's like, oh, he only has that job because blank, 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 right? And it's like, oh, I didn't get that job because blah, 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 you know, affirmative action, blah, blah, blah. Like, I've just heard these conversations going on and it's like, well, not that guy because actually he's seven feet tall and he can jump over your head. <laughs> and that's why he has that job, right? So it's this right. sort of thing of like, uh, become become completely unflinching in in the face of this criticism because you're undeniable, you know. And I think like Ali had that accomplishment as well. Like I think that he just got up there and beat the fucking brakes off everybody. So it's like, well, I don't know, fight him then. what are you gonna do about it you know so i think to you know you have like the at this time you have the the sort of the intellectual branch of this movement not to this isn't to say that ali and bill russell weren't intellectuals but you know you have the malcolm x's and you have the martin luther kings but then you have this this other side to it where it's like well these people have risen to prominence not just in the black community like they're not pastors at a black church or you know like organizers in a black community they're they're on your TV and they can like they can run and they can jump and they can fucking do cool shit. And your daughters think they're cute. And it's like they're fucking here to stay. You know what I mean? There's, yep. just, there's nothing you can fucking do about it. Like it's, they're unconquerable in that sense. Like they and they look like these fucking these giants of men, you know, like Muhammad Ali was a heavyweight fucking boxer, dude. <laughs> the dude was walking around at like fucking 265 with like pure muscle. In the 1960s, like nobody looked like that, you know, black, white or whatever. Like these dudes are walking around as, as new specimens of athletes. And, you know, uh, you can talk a little bit about what then happened in the 70s and 80s and, and the way that I think people made that more insidious with like the joke we always make of like, well, he's the IQ guy and like he's the athlete and like all that bullshit, whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I don't know if people knew how to kind of comprehend the Bill Russells of the world, you know, and. Oh, not, not I mean, that, truth, truth be told, they still don't. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. And, yeah. and, you know, that pave, that paves the way for guys like Kareem who are uh, coming up in a time where, you know, you can, yeah, you can go and get your fucking 25 a night, but you can also go home and you can educate yourself on things. And like when a microphone's shoved in front of your face, you like speak, you know, you speak very intelligently on these subjects. And, you know, like we talked before, you got to be like twice as good as the guy that like might've gotten your job or whatever. It's like, yeah, these guys mm-hmm. are paving the way for the next generation and the next generation, the next generation to be able to sort of just keep elevating and, right. you know, be give, being given these platforms. I just think it's fucking cool. And I just like, Bill Russell's so cool, man. Like everyone's sad that Bill Russell's dead. Everyone's sad. It's not just like we, we're a Boston right, Celtics fan. Universal thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're Boston fans where you saw though, you saw on the internet, uh, all of social media people, you know, Barack Obama being like, this is what this dude was like. I met him a couple of times. He's, he was cool as fuck. You know, basically right. said it in like Barack Obama speak, but like he was basically being like, ah, that guy was fucked. This sucks. Like, you know, and that's what everybody was sort of feeling because, you know, I mean, all the guys that hated him because he was black are dead now. So that's, that's a positive. <laughs> he probably outlasted fucking all of them because he was a pro. Oh, for, I mean, for, I mean, for sure. I mean, I, I was like, I'm like, yeah, 88 years. Obviously, like, that's, that's a long time. Boy, that's damn Earth, good. But, you know, but damn before, good. before I get back into, you know, the Southern stuff with him, I want to get, I want to, I want to give a charge to some, to black athletes around the world, right? Well, there's two guys I'm going to bring up. These guys weren't stars, but they played in the NBA in the late 80s to like mid 90s. Uh, so that's Craig Hodges, where you see them on the last dance briefly. And then Mahmoud Abdul-Zaruf, who a lot of people know from I the 90s him. as Chris, as, as Chris Jackson from LSU, yeah. played, played on the team with Shaq and, uh, and so on and so forth. So had, had a decent career in the NBA. The reason why I bring those two guys up, those are two guys who, became very militant in the NBA and saw the, saw 
what was going on and was calling out, you know, you know, calling out the, the oppressive, so to speak. Right. And essentially got blackballed because they were calling out. Right. So they wasn't going to blackball to Bill Russell because Bill Russell was a star. They wasn't going to blackball at Jim Brown because even though he was black, he was a star. It wasn't going to blackball. I mean, they blackballed Muhammad Ali to an extent, but eventually they knew, you know what? This guy is a draw and we don't get Ali Frazier. We don't get Ali Foreman. Right. We don't get Ken Norton. We don't get they all those so fights. They took so many fucking years off him. Now they took yeah. so many years yeah. off Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. They took three years off his so career. Crazy. You know what I'm saying? And his prime. Like you know that right prime. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Ugh. You know, so yeah, still, still comes back yeah, and it becomes world champion. So, you know, Ali, Mumbaiye, you know what I mean? I, 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 love, 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 I love that movie. It. But, oh, I love yeah, it. I love we can do a whole so, separate Muhammad Ali podcast if you want. I'm here for it. I'm, I'm, I'm read up. I've read up. <laughs> yeah, so 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 as soon as you come back, bro, we got to know. But um, yeah, like, so to me, I'm, I'm imploring the, like I said, you know, and it can't just be LeBron. I said, I think about guys, I mean, you know, he's retired. I think about guys like D-Wade. I think about, you know, I, I don't, I'm trying to think of names from the top of my head, but I'm like, you know, just guys that are prominent figures that all are African-American. Once again, when I ask you to do, to put together marches, when I ask you to build all these different communities, which would be dope, that's great. But when these issues arise, whether you're using Twitter, whether you're going on IG Live, whether you're using Spaces, like whatever, whatever platform you want to use, you need to speak up on these injustices and not just in the moment when it happens, but periodically. So whether it's, whether you're sending up foundations, like you have to let your resources work for you for the benefit of others. It's not just about you. Cause once again, role players, like, I mean, and once again, I, and this is not a knock on what I'm about to say, but it's just, it's just, it's just the fact that he's a role player. Although Grant Williams is someone who was super articulate, someone that I, I think is a hell of a speaker, hell of a young man, they're not going to listen to him the same way they listen to a Jalen Brown or yeah, of course. Tatum. Yeah. And it's just like, that's, that's what I mean. Like Jalen Brown's about it. So let me, let me not, you know what I'm saying? That's not, not why I brought it. Like Jalen Brown's about that life. Malcolm Brogdon, who we just got traded for. Is also about that life. So would you extend? They were, they same, were on the front lines. You know what would saying? you extend huh? that? Would you extend that same uh, mission statement to to guys in in leagues like the NFL though? Because I feel like yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, but I, you look I at the it. Brian Flores of the world, like you get fucked out of like your dream job, right? And that, that's that's, NFL, that's also the know? problem. But if you it, but if you stand for nothing, you fall for anything. Yeah, and sure. I know, and I, I and I understand at the end of the day, you have to take care of your family. So I get it. I'm not. I'm not asking you. To give up your livelihood, but at the same time, if you can't say something publicly because because you know the backlash, fine. Start up start up a foundation, work on some community centers, do do motivational speeches when you're talking on forums. Like this, there's, there's many other ways to be effective in the in this time because there's so many different platforms uh, to have your voice heard. You know, whether it's on the front line or behind the scenes. So yes, I that's that's just across the board. And, but we also, in the same breath, we also need, you know, once again, we're having to show this work, we know we're, we're black and white. We need to have more conversations like this, where it's being put out there and not shying away from it. And once again, yeah. that's why I love about what we did about the show early on. You know, we, we, we talked about, uh, Jake, we talked about Jacob Blake. I figured the other gentleman that, that we did a show on as well, but we, that's, that's, that's what we did. We didn't shy away from these moments early on. I mean, hell, we had a whole argument about me. I, I remember being asleep. And you texted me. He was like, look, you got to be on this show. <laughs> you got to be well, on yeah. this fucking show, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't make like, a ton yeah. of sense. I was, I was like, I was well, like. But here's the thing, right? But here's the thing, right? But I'm coming. 
This is, but this is, this is a thing, right? Because it's not, you got to be on the show because you're our fucking token black friend. It's, right. you got to be on the show because you have a fucking perspective that we don't have. And then two weeks later, Bill Simmons and Ryan Rossillo do the most tone deaf fucking podcast in the history mm-hmm. of podcasting mm-hmm. because there's mm-hmm. two white dudes talking to each other and they have no perspective. Right. And they're, they, they mean well, I'm sure, but right. like, they fuck up and they have to say they're sorry. And it's like, yeah. Well, you know what? It's not really because like a lot of the requests I think coming from these movements is just involve us in the fucking conversation. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. don't make these decisions, you know, based on what you think we want as a community. Don't make these decisions and and these and and this, uh, the, you know, the, these sort of moves and conversations like we're not there. You know what I mean? And it's like, right, right, I think exactly. You know, in, in, in the in the in the. When it comes to athletes, like, look, the NBA is, is uniquely suited is sort of, was sort of my point about the NFL thing. It's like, like you brought up the last dance, watch the last dance. The last dance is essentially, it dances around this a little bit, but it's essentially about how black culture and basketball in the nineties were one and the same. And they're, they intertwine and they speak to each other and one informs the other. And Michael Jordan's this fucking like, you know, unbelievable, phenomenal athlete, like complete, like freak. That's like, no one's ever seen anything like that before. And he's winning all these championships and like it, but it's like, oh, it's accepted. You know, like everybody's wearing the fucking, you know, the, the, what would now be like vintage fucking bulls hats. Everybody's wearing the fucking starter jackets. Everybody's pumping up their Nikes, right? It it becomes a, a, a springboard to, to bring elements of black culture into the zeitgeist, right? Like it, for everybody. But people are still taking that and leaving like, I don't like black people. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, right. you can't really have your cake and eat it too. You can't listen to KRS-One one day and then be like making fucking racist jokes with your friends the other day. It doesn't make any sense, right? So you, like, it, as an athlete, you've seen eras of your sport. I think this is what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've mm. seen eras of your sport affect change, right. you know? It's this, like, keep my <laughs> keep politics out of my fucking sports thing. It's bullshit because... That's just what people say when they don't want progress to be made. And like, it's there, whether you like it or not, it's there. If, if 70 plus percent of your league is black, it's there. If, if part of the culture is, is of your sport is black. If, if not all of the culture of your fucking sport is black, if we're being quite Mm -hmm. frank, it's there, it's already there. You're either, you're either choosing to amplify it in a positive way or you're choosing to ignore it because you're scared. And like, you can't, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't cash those checks from the NBA on the backs of people that are going to go outside and when they're not in the garden or, you know, in, in the stable center or whatever, they're going to get treated like shit. It just doesn't make sense. So right. I would put that same charge that you put uh, to, to athletes in the NBA to fucking white athletes. You know, I think there's some, there's some of them that, that do speak up. I I've liked a lot of what JJ Reddick said before he insulted Bob Cousy. Now he's not welcome to Boston anymore, obviously, but the, <laughs> uh, but I've liked a lot of what he said about it. You know, I mean, these are guys that spend, a majority of their life around uh, people of color in general because of the, the the thing that they do for a living. So they should fucking know better too. You know, they should, they should open their mouths too. And not necessarily in the way I think that white people are prone to talk, which is first and loudest, but maybe just be there with words of support for people, you know, the people that are experiencing the things that they're experiencing. You don't necessarily need to be like the leader of this fucking movement because you don't like, you're, you don't, right. you're not right for the role, <laughs> but we're going to go in a different direction. Thank you so much for coming in and auditioning, but you can be there and you can be supportive. And I think that it's like, it's not just black athletes that need to speak up. I think it's like the, and owners and coaches. And it's like, everybody's got to be sticking off the same hymn sheet, man. Cause you're all making money off the same fucking thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, exactly. No, that, no, we'll say we'll, we'll leave it at that. So I want to get back to uh, something else I saw on Twitter regarding Bill Russell. So obviously we know he wear the number six. You have 
you know, his jersey has been sold even at, at the pro shop now at TD Garden. So uh, someone's making the case for now his jersey to be universally retired. So, you know, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? I think if there's anybody in basketball that has, should have a universal retirement, it should be Bill Russell. I, I will, you can make the case for Kobe, I think, and like sort of what he's posthumously meant to the culture and like how tragic it was the way that he died. You know, like mm-hmm. it wasn't just, I mean, I'm not saying it's good when anyone dies, but obviously everyone has to. So you want to be 88 and like die of old age. You don't want to like be with your daughter in a fucking helicopter crash, you know? So right. I, you know, I, I think that for what he did for basketball, for what he did for the culture, like we've talked about, I think it makes complete sense to, to universally retire his jersey. And I think, I think that, I think that if we're very careful about that, and I think that if we choose, if we really pick and choose like who we do that with, I think you can actually make a real statement. I think if you start handing out that superlative to people that aren't Bill Russell or of the Bill Russell sort of, you know, level you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like the kind of the thing we've been talking about this whole time i think then you you can keep that as a as a very valid and and cool message as to why because then uh, it people will always know about bill russell but it'll preserve the idea of teaching when you teach your kid about basketball you teach your kid about bill so i think that that would be fucking cool (laughs) if that happened to be honest with you yeah because some people was like well he's not he's not jackie robinson because he wasn't the first well jackie robinson was in the first either. he was the most famous yeah um, yeah i don't know so, that's know, kind of that's a little apples and oranges isn't it like well, no no, no I'm saying, well, that's what people that's what people say you know like, yeah oh, but it's like yeah, no yeah. But I, like, get, I get why he was jackie, that, jackie wasn't the first either but it's like jackie you know you know april 15th 1947 once again the fact that i could remember that in my brain forever right. changed baseball so you know but yes but you know shout out to to buck o'neill Shout out to Satchel Page, like, you know, you know, this, you know, Kansas City Martyrs, shout out to the Negro Leagues. I, I get that. There was other people that came and did their thing first, but Jackie Robinson, because he played, he played in Brooklyn, played in New York, you know, <laughs> uh, played at Ebbets Field, you know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It, it made, it made, it made it what it was. But, and once again, it was well-deserved. So let's, you know, chill, chill on that. It was well-deserved, but I just hate that it took for him to pass away to have that conversation. Yeah. Obviously, we know LeBron has made number six famous because he wore number six down in Miami. Right. Championship down there to, from coming back to 23. I get that. Hell, Miami has 23 retired in their arena for Jordan. Like, yeah. to me, like, Jordan's another number that should be universally retired as well. He, he is the Wayne Gretzky of the NBA. Let's, let's be honest. I agree. Um, and I think it's almost silly again, when you see guys at 23 now, though, right? It's like, you're yeah, almost you're, like, yeah, what are you, what are you mean, doing? What are you doing? I mean, there's no, there's no, I mean, I can't think of another player that made 23 iconic yeah and once again i mean that's, that's one of the things for the day but i'm like you know we think about the 90s the next guy that i can think about that was even decent wearing 23 was miss richmond and yeah he was a two-time all-star but he wasn't wasn't near what jordan was he, he was right. a great two guard for a while but he was he wasn't that guy but if jason tatum you know? was like i want 23 you'd be like dude don't do that thing like, come yeah, on. no, he, no like, no, don't say, do that thing. You're fine. You're, 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 not, you're number zero for life. You're good. Like I yeah. said, you know, and made it made us forget about Walter, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah, you know, oh, Avery Bradley for that matter. You're good. But no, I, I do. I'd like to say, I just hate that it took for him to pass away yeah. for that conversation to even arise. And I think it's like, yo, he did so much, but that's what I'm saying. It just ties back to now he's getting all this love later in life. And now that he's passed away. Yeah. There's like, all these stories that come up. Oh, like he did this, he did that. Like, a story I heard, and I thought this was hilarious. I, I know you would enjoy this. That's why I, I was waiting to bring this up. So apparently, this is 1965. Uh, Will Chamberlain in his heyday, killing it in Philadelphia. Um, the original Warriors before they went to San Francisco. That's and, right. Um, that's where you know, he's at. So, that's where he had his hundred point game. They still, yeah, 
that's still a Golden State Warriors record now. Yeah, exactly. That's technically yeah. the franchise. So that, that belongs yeah. to the Warriors, Golden State Warriors, which is crazy. But yeah, sorry, go on. Right. That's wild. Yeah. So Will Chamberlain has signed a three year deal for $100,000, which I mean, and now it sounds like. That's fuck well, you money in the 1960s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, that, that's, I mean, dollar 30, 30 racks in, in 1965. He was out here. He was out here living. Okay. Yeah, he was because he was flying to LA and wearing fucking mink coats and he was <laughs> with like three chicks <laughs> and he was rolling into nightclubs <laughs> like a fucking boss. Like, yeah, that must have been some money because like, yeah, yeah, so that, yeah. So yeah, he was like, I mean, yeah, when, when the house was 2,500 in the 60s, you got five of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could buy five houses. You good. So, you know, he gets that. So I guess, you know, Bill walks into the office and is like, yo, I, I'm not, I'm not coming back unless I get at least, a, at, at least a dollar more. So what does Red do? <laughs> okay. Three years, hundred thousand and one. It's like, and he signs the deal and he, and he, and he goes on. And I mean, we saw the same thing with, um, oh God, uh, when, when Shaq left Orlando, yeah, you know, Alonzo got seven years, 120. And then they, I think they gave Shaq seven years, one twenty one. He was like, okay, yeah. coming to LA, you know what I'm saying? Shaq, so uh, Shaq was all about his fucking bag, though. People, forget. oh for sure, as <laughs> he should have been, as he should have been, yeah, for sure. Been. But he like, he, yeah. that man knew how to make his money, though, for sure. He wasn't yeah, no, fucking and, around and, on that front, and, <laughs> not at all. Even to this day, and I, I love him yeah. for that. But no, so yeah, so I, that was always a funny story too. We had another one that I think about too. Uh, this was like the NBA. NBA started doing award shows after the season, and so you know they giving out the awards, and then so. Bill Russell gets a Lifetime Achievement Award thing in 2017, 2018. And so uh, Kareem's up there. Hakeem Olajuwon's up there. Shaq's up there. Uh, I think Magic and Fred Twelves was up there. All but, the Bill Russells of their all, all, Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so he, 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 he whispers, he's like, I would have kicked your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 the, and the hot mic picks it up. And, it, it was, and everyone just fell out laughing. So... Yeah. Like, and he, he was, he just really was a clown. And, yeah. you know, because Kevin Garnett told him about it too. I guess there was a story with them too. Like, he, uh, I don't know after they won or before they won, he was just like, yeah. He said, he said man, you're one of my favorite players. And Kevin Garnett was like, mm hmm. He was like, he, he said, he said, you know, he said, you know, you'd be out here trying to pray people. He said, no, I mean, you're really one of my favorite players, man. Like, he said, he said, he said, you make me proud on a regular basis, man. So that, that, I think that was just cool to see that interaction because him and KG were really close. I yeah. think behind the scenes and, you know, we saw it when they won the championship. He said, I got my own, man. I got my own. It was like, he was talking to yeah. his grandfather. <laughs> I got my own pop. I got my own, yeah, you know? So right? yeah. that, 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 that's exactly how it felt. So yeah, I, I mean, was like, I got 11. I got 10, 10 more than, more than you can get to the real. parties I go <laughs> to. <laughs> but that's, that's so crazy to think about. I like, know, you know, bird won three. I think have a check has eight. Yeah, Kuzi has eight because he mm-hmm. was a he, he retired early. Yeah. Sam Jones has eight. Sachs has eight. Heisen has eight. Um, I, no, I don't know though because I count. I count. I I give Tommy a ring for the the 08 announcements. Oh gosh, okay, it's okay. Yeah, nine. Okay, cool. Wait, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wait, actually, that's the case. We can give Heisen eleven too because Heisen yeah. was two as a coach too. He wants to use because he was coach. Yeah, yeah two as a coach. Yeah, so he, he actually, has eleven. Here's 11. I think actually the, the Tommy Heinsohn record is I think that he's been involved with the Celtics in some way, shape, or form for all for every, the team every managers or some shit. Crazy. Like some crazy, crazy shit like that. So mm-hmm. that's fucking bananas. Like that guy. I miss that guy too. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And I think I guess the last one left is Kuzi. I think everyone has passed away because I haven't said passed away a few years ago. Yeah, a few years ago. Um, Sam Jones 
of Casey Jones, one of Joe's fast Casey Jones passed away too. Koozie's still knocking around though, right? No, yeah, cool. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He made a, he made a comment about Reddit. He's right. Like, he was like, oh, what, 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 is, what has he done? Jerry yeah. got getting on his ass too. So I, I thought that was hilarious. Listen, I mean, I get it. I I feel like if yeah, if you put JJ Reddick in a time machine and went back to the fucking eighteen hundreds or whatever, and Bob Cousy's dribbling a fucking basketball with one hand, he's probably fucking lighting him up. I get that. But if you take Bob Cousy and you take him as an embryo and you make him born in like fucking 1990, I like I and then you train him in basketball in the way that you train everybody else in basketball and he like gets to fucking learn how to do all that shit and you give him like food that doesn't have like I don't fucking know what they were making Cousy, shit out of back Cousy then. Rusty dribbling. iron. Cousy was He's dribbling around. He was dribbling around people in the 50s. You also couldn't pick the ball up. Like you you weren't allowed to turn your wrist when you dribble. I mean, I know this is getting into like yeah. some, some basketball nerd level stuff, but yeah. you know, the reason that they make fun of players in those highlights because they're dribbling like this, which is essentially what I look like when I dribble like in basketball, but they're dribbling <laughs> like this, you know? And they're letting it like bounce into their hand. And like, obviously when we're taught to dribble basketball, you like you palm it a little bit and you try to take it, you know, and yeah. you try to give it its own sort of like centrifugal force in your hand and go with it a little bit and put it back down. And that, that lets players now kind of do all this crazy shit. They were literally weren't allowed. It was like a rule. They couldn't turn their hand up like that. Cause that was, that was like, you know, holding the ball. That was a travel, you know, you were holding the ball. Mm. So that's why they fucking look like this just for everybody's like reference. I know I don't have an excuse. For those that's watching it on YouTube, right? Yeah, exactly. No, no, that, that's 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 but hilarious. So I'm just saying, um, like errors are different. It's a silly conversation. No, yeah, no, so, so, totally. But we'll we'll still have it. We'll have it at another point. And we have <laughs> we'll have it because we, we're right. Right. So yeah. I'm saying it's silly when people are saying it because they're fucking wrong. Right. Exactly. So just any 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 final words on you know his legacy and you know just 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 your thoughts about him overall. So yeah, I mean, I just think that. Like I said, I just think it's cool as fuck that it, he was a Celtic. You know, I'm sorry for the trouble that he had here for obvious reasons. Uh, I I think that I'm really proud to say that we've had some people on in our organization and on our team that were great basketball players, but also great men. And I think to to sort of be able now to turn around and say to the players that play for our organization, yeah, maybe you had some trouble here and, and this shit happened and LeBron says this or whatever, but look, this is what he accomplished. This is who he was. And these are the things he was doing when he was also fucking dominating in basketball. So that's, that's what you're here to live up to. You're not here to live up to anything else. You're not here to live up to old black and white footage of people dunking basketballs. You're here to live up to who he was as a man. That's what that statue means. That's what his legacy means. That's what it'll mean if, you know, we universally retire his jersey. It's, it's, yes, he was a great basketball player and, it, you know, you can't take that away from him, but like who he was as a person, I think was more profoundly more important. And I think that's the legacy he leaves and we should be so lucky. Yeah, yeah for sure. So listen, <laughs> a great player, a great activist, a great human being. But Russell, we thank you for the 13 years. We thank you for the, the life that you lived overall on and off uh, the court. And like I said, you're, you're a Celtic, once you're, you know, Celtics for life. And once again, we're forever grateful for the impact that you left, not only on this organization, but, you know, in, in, in this world as a whole. So, so for DK Sizzle, I'm Hollywood Ray Sean Buchanan, and we will see you next time. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's my name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. Touchdown!
on this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Electric acid.